laughing so hard, guys. Thank you for the comedy today. We have had all of the tech issues you could possibly imagine. And as I, you know, Dorsey, uh, you know, he's he has a very early morning. He works the AM Quickie with uh, Sam Cedar. So I didn't want to bother him. And I was like, I can do this. I can set up the live on my own. I've done this before. And then it just showed me a black screen. So I was on my phone FaceTiming Kyle, who runs fans. And, and we were trying to, like, get to the bottom of what was going on. And... <laughs> I saw the chat. I'm just so happy I didn't do anything bad. Like, I don't know, pick my teeth or something. Uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Nomiki Show. I am Nomiki Konst. That was just the laugh I needed uh, to go into this <laughs> post-debate recap. Uh, you know, this was quite possibly the most chaotic debate of all time. And I am so grateful that the one and only Francesca Fiorentini is here to join us to recap this because, uh, you know, I'm a, I, I don't know how many of you guys know, my background's in debate, so I'm losing my mind in these things, always. And, and I just, I have so much to, to, to contribute when it comes to post-debate uh, performance analysis, and I have no doubt that Francesca is going to add the levity, although I'm already laughing. So without further ado, I am going to welcome Francesca into the room. <laughs> I can't get over it. <laughs> you missed the best entrance ever, Francesca. What did I do? <laughs> you did nothing. <laughs> what, I, did, what did I do? You did nothing. I was sitting there trying to figure out why I wasn't going live because usually Dorsey, who you know, because you've yeah, yeah. so much, Dorsey's brilliant. I didn't want to bother him. I was like, oh, I can do this. I can figure out how to do the live. <laughs> you were like, ah, beep, boop, bump. Oh, man. And it was a black screen. And then suddenly I'm seeing the text. And it's like, she doesn't know she, <laughs> she's on camera. <laughs> I was just doing this. I, I'm sorry. I was looking at a tweet, which I thought was very good, which said... Stand back and stand by, proud boys. Trump's best attempt to condemn white nationalists was essentially on your marks, get set. Who tweeted that? Uh, that's uh, uh, that's Matt Lieb, my boyfriend and comic. It's very true. He he. That's essentially what it was. That was like uh, he, he couldn't even bring himself. <laughs> he couldn't bring himself to say anything about. Hi, Nomiki. Um, Hi, welcome to the apocalypse. Uh, round nine thousand. <laughs> I don't know at what point the game just freezes out and we are all gone. Uh, I feel in the middle of it right now. Francesca, this was, I mean, I love debates. I am the, the oh, oh, I have to put it in gallery mode, I'm being told. Put it in gallery mode, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. I, I would love to blame the alcohol, but I had one game and it was to wait for Joe Biden. I thought Joe Biden was gonna just drop $750 and it took 40 minutes to even mention it. So I've only had one mezcal lemon cocktail that I made myself. That sounds delicious. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I know yeah. I had, I made All one margarita. You really need multiple drinks lined up so you don't have to yeah. run back to the kitchen or wherever, you know, uh, cause because it's so enthralling, no, Miki. We can't take our eyes away um, from- No commercials the, either. The geriatrics, the the geriatrics, the theatrics geriatrics of this. <laughs> I can't, I mean, Dana Bash on on CNN just called it a, 
an S show. Can I say, can I swear? I don't know if we can swear. I don't know if we can do um, the F one. And, and I would say if we want to go down like the attacking the right wing rabbit hole, when you mention the Q group, just mention Q. Because we don't want to be like, you know, affected on. Oh my on, God. Yeah, this oh is the God. world that we live in now where we can't even acknowledge, which is probably how it should have been from the beginning. We shouldn't acknowledge the far right. No, this is very true. Shouldn't have taken them seriously. We took Donald Trump way too seriously. The media uh, created him and look at what they've done. Um, where, what point are you at in an analyzing all this, Nomiki? Are we just in the beginning or are we? Oh, I just joined. Getting... I was dealing with tech issues. So the first five minutes is just me looking at a camera like this. so lovely he was like oh do you want to reboot i was like ah eh. just the people are everyone's there they're all engaging people find it fun. i think we should do a mashup of all of the the hilarious tech moments because today has been i don't know if mercury's in retrograde or if people believe that but sure, it's been a I lot do. of that today a lot oh i believe i believe yeah. in all the, the moon and the stars and uh and people are like what do you mean what how can you believe that i was like well because i can see them <laughs> they're, they're there like you know i'd rather believe in the moon and the stars and like you know a invisible man in the sky yes type thing but yeah wow what uh that was bad that was it's funny because i i thought it was gonna be bad it was going to be uninspiring but uninspiring is sort of a very high bar for what we just watched which was yeah it was a train wreck and chris wallace I mean, kind of weak AF, right? Like, how do you how do you go three times, four times chastising this guy who's interrupting constantly, and then you have then you just you have no recourse? What do you do? I Was mean, there no plan. Maybe I'll play devil's advocate here. So he is known for pushing back, and like, I don't care what Twitter says. I've, I'm as I'm sure you've been been on with a lot <laughs> of these hosts before. They're not great at it. There's really yeah. nobody who's that great at it. Like, no yeah. woman, no man. Like. Chris Wallace is probably the best at that. And he, I think in the beginning he put, I mean, how do you tame Donald Trump? It's, he knows, first off, he has ADD. So he just jumps from one thing to another. Yes. And, and, and in, it's not even intentional. Incoherently. There was, what was it? Oh, I love my favorite number. No, Miki, favorite numbers. My favorite number of the whole debate was he said <laughs> something like 308,000 military debt. Like, what, oh, yes. what did he say? He's like, 308,000 vet. I forgot what he was saying. Was it vets? Veterans, because like of the health care. I can't believe I remember this. Uh, that he that 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 Biden failed essentially with the VA is what he was trying to say. Right. Re that these veterans did not receive proper health care. So he was like... 200,000 people have died in America because your failure to acknowledge publicly uh, COVID and do anything about it and properly equip healthcare workers and, you know, uh, just right. basically You're making prepared. a better point than, yeah, but that was very funny. It was just like, where are you, where are you going? We're not talking about that at all, but I'm glad you memorized a number. A number. And then, I guess. and then when he... I mean, there was this one moment, we're all over the place because it's really, I, I have, I have a list of things here. These okay. are all things that I wanted right. to talk about, but I don't even think if we went through these line by line, we would be able to respond because <laughs> one second they're talking about COVID, the next second it's like Hunter Biden and like China. I didn't even know Hunter Biden. I mean, I, it's, it's hard I to think keep up. It's, it was impossible to get Trump under control, to stop interrupting, to get him to stick to a subject that was absolutely true. But I think that was so known going into 
for this. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people were saying very obviously, like, can you cut people's mics? Can you crossfade? Can you chastise or penalize someone? I think in, I've never done debate, but I'm sure a lot of people have, which is like, if you run over your time, you either lose that time or you concede it to the next person, you lose your next turn. So it's kind of like there is a, you know, you really have to play that game with this president. There will be consequences if you start keep interrupting, that time will go to Biden. So guess what? You just lost a minute, now he gets three minutes, right? Like, so, you know, so there's that. And I think similar to that is Biden's response to Trump, which, was very weak, was uh, by on on style and on points, which he did not get either. And the only thing I can chalk that up to is, you know, sort of when you're, you know, when you're in a really heated argument with someone who maybe is abusive or you're afraid of them or whatever, that you don't want to get into just a yelling match because yeah. that will inevitably make you look pretty bad. I get that. I guess I just, I don't give Biden a pass for not on points on politics, being able to coherently and aggressively counter what Trump was saying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. So I have a whole theory on the debates that I led with on our show today, and uh, it did not air live. So talk just to oh, look no. back to. <laughs> so I have I will we will post it tomorrow, even though it was a pre-debate sort of uh, looking forward to it. But you know, right now the map is is tight despite the national polls showing biden nine percent in, in you know he, he's leading nine percent um we'll, we'll probably the one factor that's very hard for anybody to uh to really assess is what the turnout's gonna look like i mean if we look at post july covid uh primaries turnout has been extraordinary it's been like nothing you could ever predict a lot of these campaigns cory bush uh, some, I mean, a lot of the, the races across the country, they projected a certain number, and then it was like 10 times that. I mean, in right. March, right. April, it was like, a, you know, six times that. So now that folks are getting in a groove, they're, they're, they're getting into the routines again, they, they're more comfortable with mail-in voting, just under, and also there's a longer runway. Um, so I do think the turnout is going to be higher than we could even potentially imagine, but it's hard to say what that is, and that's why, obviously, Trump is throwing everything against the wall yes. to suppress any vote, suppress and depress. That's his whole yes. strategy. And that was the most important part of the debate, which is where they ended, right? Where, which yes. was completely unfact-checked, really by Chris Wallace or by Biden, in, in a coherent way. Biden attempted to, but he started kind of following a rabbit hole down of some, something Chris Wallace said about like, hey, what if but someone returns your ballot and, uh, you know, and start, Biden started talking about, well, you can file an affidavit. And it was like, oh, people don't need to know this. This is like outliers. This doesn't actually happen, mm -hmm. right? And meanwhile, Trump was able to continually say, they just mail people ballots, homie. That's how it's done. Like in Republican it, states, by the way, with Republican, you know, governors, Arizona, who, which is one of these swing states, it's looking like 80% of Arizonans vote by mail in advance. Right. Or vote early, I should say, because you can also go to the polls early. That is a Republican governor that yeah. oversees that at a Republican legislature. And so it's this easy is to like, say. What? It's easy, and it's easy to say to just stop and like Biden laughed in weird moments. It's like, just stop and laugh there. Hey, Mr. President, that's how voting is done. Yes. Like pause, smile, done. Like it, it, that I do think it was good that he tried to project calm and say, this is what he's doing. This is the strategy he's trying to make you think that your vote doesn't count and it does. 
But again, like trying to be the bigger man with Trump, I don't think works. Nope. It is trying to strategically and pointedly shut him down and shut him up in ways that like, look, I don't, I don't love Kamala's politics, but she's got good zingers. We're gonna see them next week. And I feel like, why didn't she just give some of those to, to Joe? Just hand them over to Joe, man. Let Kamala write your zingers for you. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you shut Trump up because he's a yeah. bad stand-up comic. I should know because I'm, I am a comic. <laughs> I try not to be bad, but I've seen a lot of bad ones. That's what they do. That's, you just yeah. gotta shut them down with a quick joke, a quick zinger and move on. And we just, Oh, no, Miki, that feeling when we go into a debate with Trump, it's the same feeling when we had, you know, with with uh, with Clinton and you're just like, let me at him, let me at him. You get I get so excited I because I'm so mad, so mad that this racist, uh, you know, uh, POS has been allowed to spout all the lies that he has. And then we get Clinton and then yeah. we get Biden. And I'm just so it's just so deflating. Oh, and that's so what upsetting. people want. They want a fighter, right? Like, so, so they're, yeah. well, well, Trump is playing depress his vote, suppress the vote, you know, in different paths, courts, et cetera, you know, taking over the postal service and throwing out ballot, whatever he's going to do. Um, <laughs> at the same time, he's trying to excite his base. So there are these little moments where uh, Biden would react and it played into Trump's hand. He, he, I don't, I think there were a couple of moments that Trump did, did, set, you know, create the bait and Biden, I think Biden fell for everything, whether it was intentional bait or not. Mm -hmm. If I were training Biden and, and I just want to remind our audience, like, so I spent a lot of time in debate and part of me was like, maybe I shouldn't say these things on Twitter because then like. Trump's, I don't know, someone's going to find out. And so I, I like didn't want to throw right, it all out there. Right, right, so right. So you don't guys some of it. <laughs> don't reveal. I mean, it's not rocket science. But for instance, <laughs> when Biden was telling a story, telling a story is one of the most powerful things you can do in a debate because, first thing, it's very hard to interrupt a story. The audience immediately hates you if you interrupt a story. They're like, whoa, I, I was listening. I, this is great. Johnny was, I mean, Bill Clinton was the master at storytelling. So people, you know, it's harder for folks to interrupt, especially when you're up right. against somebody who is a is there to just interrupt. And then the second thing that was happening was, other than the fact that Biden, who who should know better, and, and maybe it's age, maybe I'm not sure, maybe it's just he, he's been out of, it really is a practice. If, I mean, I know it myself. Like, if I don't go on TV for a while and, like, debate some sort of right-wing nutcase, I'm not as sharp as I used to be. Sure. So I can imagine the same thing with Joe Biden. But you're not ready for it. <laughs> You're just not ready. So he he really responded to all the attacks, not all the attacks, but many of the attacks. And he should have just said, there he goes again, crazy, crazy, like whatever, delusional, yeah. yes. uh, Putin's pup, whatever it is, come up with your line, there you go again. I'm gonna talk about the economy because that's what people care about. Right now people are, just get back to your talking points, don't like push it aside. Yes. But the last thing that really kind of set me off was I don't know if Biden was, or, or Trump was really just trying to throw Biden off as much as he was trying to prevent Biden from having one good soundbite that could be turned into something. Because I think ultimately these debates, this debate right now, where over half the country is casting a ballot right now, I don't know if it's so much about wooing over, swaying some undecided not on voters. Issues. Sadly, not yeah. on issues. No, it's true. It, it was it was a throw everything at someone and sort of like, like, look over here, look over here, look over here. 
and it's true like biden uh if if he is in any you know if he's feeble or he's old he definitely has his hearing because he listened and heard every single thing trump said to him and was not able to block it out exactly like you're saying and sort of responded in kind and allowed himself to get distracted and that i think was a pretty big weakness of course none of this we know it's not necessarily going to sway voters um but yes it, it did interrupt his train of thought um and like going into this i was like all we need is for him to show what he showed us biden to show us when he went up against bernie yeah. right and there is part of me I, I have two thoughts on this one the more cynical thought is well it was easy because he could just red bait bernie and do what trump tried to do to biden which was like you're a socialist you went to cuba blah 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 you yeah. want socialized medicine and that really stings that and that's that's upsetting obviously as progressives we know that you know liberals love to punch left uh and they're good at it uh and then they turn, turn around and don't win the other thing is i think that biden knows bernie respects him and knows that um it's sort of like he could kind of be more dickish because he and Bernie are friends. And I think Bernie took that and was like, oh, he's not gonna hit me too hard because we're friends. And yeah. Biden was like, oh, I can hit him because we're friends. And like, I'm just, he knows I'm not actually going there. So they took it two different ways. And I'm just gonna be real with you, Nomiki, I don't think Bernie would have done much better a job going against Trump. Okay, this I- is a bit, This is contentious, I, but I don't I, know. I, 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 I know you guys are gonna come for me now. <laughs> I know, because I read 9,000 tweets from people I love, 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 love. Like, oh, can you imagine a Bernie versus Trump debate? Yeah. Listen, I love Bernie. And what I think is so great about Bernie is he's righteous and he doesn't play the political games. You gotta be a political game player. Somebody, I mean, this. Th my whole theory on this with, with Biden was instead of having his friend, Ron Klain, do debate prep with him, mm. he should have found the most disgusting Fox News right-wing commentator who, for whatever reason, has fallen out of line with the Trumps. God forbid, like, we find out what those... I mean, there's, there's plenty of them. Oh, there's sure, plenty Sean Spicer's of them. A, He's Sean, free. Yeah. Oh, even worse. We could have found some... And put it up against them and just do yeah. rounds of it, one after one. Because that's... That's so true. That's it. What that I mean, is... like, best training of my life, going on Fox News. You can criticize the best training because yes. they speak insanity to you. And you could easily get baited and say, like, you know, it's uh, Martians might. What? No, let's talk about the economy. It's it's very, very, very hard, but yeah. it is great training for progressives in particular because um, these are the kinds of conversations you're going to be having where they try to distract, they try to confuse, they try to send you off, and you have to keep a or straight face. Or just not stop talking. Uh, exactly. That's it. That's it. Did you so you don't think do you think that Bernie would have done better than Biden or are you leading are you leading to the point that maybe he wouldn't have done better or are you just saying that net neutral I think that neutral. people yeah. um you know in some ways Bernie was so so good at staying on topic and staying on the issues and and not being pulled away from his core message um but you know I think there are a couple things that Bernie probably would have responded to and 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 we saw that in the debates. I mean, when Bernie was responded, had was asked about democratic socialism, he responded. And I don't know if that appealed. I mean, while we love it, I don't know if that appealed to the greater population of Democratic voters at that moment when you were in a multiple way primary in which 
every little vote matters. And yeah. that's ultimately what it was. It was dividing up the electorate. I and think in this Bernie race, would, have been would have been thrown off by Trump also, because who wouldn't have been thrown off by Trump? Of but I do think, and I think in some ways he would have played the Biden card, sort of like trying to be above it and trying yeah. not to acknowledge it or sort of taking the bait too much. But I also think Bernie might've had those one-liners like, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. You need to stop. Okay, okay. You know, just yes, a yes, yes. Bernie. Oh, really? You know, <laughs> we just needed that. Just someone to make a face. Biden's face, he was looking down. Yeah. I know that you don't want to look the devil in the face, but sometimes you have to. Yeah. You got to mock him. That's the best way to get under his skin. That's right. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm taking back what I said about Bernie not necessarily doing better. But I will say this. Trump initially tried to say, oh, you're controlled by the Democrats, you're controlled by the radical left-wing Democrats. And Biden, for better or worse, immediately shut it down and said, no, the party is me. The party oh is- Oh my God, that lie. I am the party. Oh man. I was I, chosen. I wrote I am, the platform. What? <laughs> this is, and, and look, look, he, that doesn't play well to progressives. No. Um, but in the moment, I think for Republicans who've been told that Biden is weak and he's being pulled by uh, radical leftists who just want to survive <laughs> and want health care, right? I think for that audience, that was an important shutdown. And yeah. you notice that Trump really didn't go back to the radical, like left socialist stuff, not that much more, maybe once or twice, but but he he truly left it. And I do think... Of course, Bernie's open to that, but Bernie knows how to handle it too. And, and oh, that's man. ultimately it. So, so Biden's conundrum here right now is he he has more work to do in which he's not really doing to excite the base. Um, Donald Trump just needs to pick fights, bully, talk, you know, do Donald, uh, and he excites his base, and he possibly even depresses certain bases. So, you know, yes. th but but the leverage that Biden has is potentially much higher uh, voter turnout than ever in history. So, like, maybe that is his leverage, and that's why he has no problem saying, like, I beat Bernie, I beat Bernie, I beat, I mean, like, right, over right, right. and over. And it's like, please stop, please. My wounds are just starting to heal. I'm just feeling comfortable enough to defend you. I'm, like, getting into the fight, and you're like, I know. I'm Bernie. I'm like, and, oh, and man. Also, like, everyone's calling up Bernie's name so much. It's just like, stop sweating me. Like, stop yes. being so on my ED, you know? Yeah. this just like... <laughs> Get, get Bernie in there. You keep talking, invoking him all the time. He's such a boogeyman. Um, yeah. But, and I will say, that is the power of the movement that he helped create. That is the yeah. power of the progressive movement. We want to be the boogeyman. Good, good. People should be scared of us. They yeah. should. We should know that we're a real force. Um, even if Biden has to say we're not uh, in order to appeal to some mythical moderate centrist who, I don't know. Who, who now is back with Trump because Trump really has exist. just decided, like, I'm gonna give you your nominee, your 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 Supreme Court nominee. So all those like so funny, all the Lincoln you think Project that's people. Working? Oh, all the Lincoln Project people are just like silent suddenly. As soon as as soon as Trump had the opportunity to pick a nominee, they're like, oh wait, that's what that's the fight we're into. It's, I don't follow them enough to know, but damn. I mean, I like I'm not looking at their ad buys, but there's something to be right. said there. They're not you know? gonna take an ad out about. Amy Coney Bryant, uh, Barrett, or whatever Barrett, her name yeah. is. I don't ever want to learn it, but yes. Your your funny tweet about smiling. You never tell a woman to smile, but that was some weird stuff. That was the first thing I woke up to this morning was just 
uh, Amy Coney Barrett just not cracking, not even doing the Mike Pence thing, because Mike Pence doesn't smile. He just smiles with his eyes. He just goes like, it's like Ken doll face. Right. It's very like smizy, like, mm. and all you have to do is that. Just pretend, like, just think about a smile. You don't actually have to smile. Yeah. And uh, it was chilling. It was very chilling. And that's, look, um, I think Biden doesn't have to do that much to still win. But the catharsis that this country needs and deserves, the justice, the accountability from being hung out to dry by the right wing and by Trump and all the lies, it's like, y'all, no matter what happens in November, more pinatas of Trump, I need to beat them regularly. It will make me feel better. It is not, it like, who cares? Damn, you know, you know, future jobs be damned. That is important for this country to get over it. Like. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, you feel like you're taking crazy pills when you've been gaslit this much by the right wing. And then you've got Biden up there who's like not even saying that he's being gaslit. I I will say there's a couple other things. The the comment that was completely false uh, that Chris Wallace doubled down on about Trump having outdoor rallies and Trump corrected him and said they're outdoor. And it's like, no, No, they're they're indoor. They're indoor. And Herman Cain was at your indoor rally uh, in Ohio, was it? Uh, Or Nevada, I can't remember, Nevada. It was Oklahoma. And he died, he got COVID and he died. And he's somehow still tweeting behind the, like beyond the grave, like just bring up Herman Cain. Perfect, easy, easy zing, like not zing, but just an important point. Let's think of your, you know, your fellow Republican Herman Cain, who blah, 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 makes some BS up who died from an indoor there, rally and you, he couldn't, and Biden missed that opportunity hard handily. There were no moments. I mean, there were, there were, there were a ton of opportunities for Biden to come in there and say, you know, every time, so Biden started talking about his son, Bo Biden, they were talking about veterans. He's like, you know, my son was a veteran. He served in Iraq. You want to talk about this? My family has personally experienced this. And my son, Bo Biden, who died tragically. And what does Trump do? He, he disrupts that conversation. He starts going to Hunter Biden and a cocaine addiction and something. Like, and, and, mm. and, and there was a perfect moment for Ridiculous. Biden to, so I, I think two things that Biden could have done. Number one, how, how much empathy do you lack when mm. 200,000, you're just showing me over and over, 200,000 Americans are dying mm-hmm. or, or have died because of government's failure. And you're more focused on a couple of games here and there and how the press portrays you and Bob Woodward leaking tapes and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'm telling you a story about my son who died, who's yeah. a veteran. And yeah. you, meanwhile, you weren't able, you, you got out of the military, you Right. Really Bring up the bone for spurs. This is so, this is, this is Twitter 101. This is Trump <laughs> hashtag. Like, this is resistance 101. We've all made fun of the bone spurs. Trump is living inside of his own satire. Like, just, it's so easy to pick yeah. any issue. You're totally right. And you know what the other thing you have to do? And I think you're absolutely right about talking to Fox commentators and going, like, really doing battle like that. But also, point out his strategy. Uh, Noam Chomsky is an incredible debater. Noam Chomsky is incredible. Whenever he's asked a dumb question, he always turns that question on the questioner, right? And is like, like, why do you frame it like that? You know, and I actually think Bernie does a really good job of that too, because Bernie's always put into bad faith corners and he's always painted as something that he's not. But all you have to do when you're 
when you're inviting is just say, look at this fragile, flailing loser. Like, look at this person who can't even shut up and make a coherent point who's so flustered because he's failed so miserably. Like, right. watch this, watch this specimen ability, <laughs> you know? And that's all you gotta do. And, and it kind of, it's kind of funny. It gets people. We, he should know that all of us are watching at home, uh, just devastated watching Trump, are disgusted. You gotta tap into that, man. Yeah. I was hoping Kamala would be waiting in the wings, you know, or just Simone Sanders, who was like, you know, took out that vegan. I just wanted her to come take out. Wait, what happened? I missed this. Remember when I... Simone Sanders tackled that woman who like went topless? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, I forgot. Campaign I tuned out a lot of Simone Sanders because <laughs> she betrayed the burning movement. Um, Don't blame you. I get it. Yeah. You know, the other thing that, that Biden could have done very effectively, and it's, I hate to give away this strategy because it's like a secret strategy I used to use against like the Hillary people. You call out their game. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't. You're trying to make a righteous convers, a uh, 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 righteous sort of argument about X, Y, Z. I'm so distracted by the three hundred thousand dollars in pharmaceutical money uh, that you took, or <laughs> the the how you were a lobbyist for the health insurance industry. You right. you're talking to me about healthcare. Well, I, I really, it's very hard for me to listen to you beyond the talking points that are printed and released. And mm -hmm. there, there's just so much of that with Trump. And I felt there was a moment when Biden said, hey, guys, do you, viewers at home, do you see, do you see what he's doing? And I was like, yeah. come on, go with it, go with it, yeah, go yeah, with yeah. it. And that then was good. Trump was like, Hunter Biden. He was like, ah, oh, my son. It's like, stop being baited. Yes. Stop it. That those moments were good. You're right. When he leveled with viewers at home, um, I think that was nice. It did feel a little bit like he, you know, he, you can only do that so much. I think the the other thing, the other thing I was going to bring up was, uh, you're stupid. You're stupid. You went to Delaware. Oh, oh what the hell? You're Who dumb. Was, what do you, Trump? First off, Biden has a lot of, it's not an, it, it's, no, it's, but, but, but no, no debate it's here. Though. You, how are you not going to defend? If I had a law degree, if I went, to, I didn't go. I, I graduated college. I didn't go to uh, grad school. If I had, though, I'd be like, mm, guess who's got a higher degree? You know, I'd be like, I'd be reminding people. My all daddy, the time that excuse I have me, in my state school mix-up. Meanwhile, my daddy didn't get me into an Ivy League school, which I couldn't even stay in. Excuse me for a second. Hang exactly. on, let's check our privilege. How many of you guys out here? Yes, your dad. Oh, right. Who paid someone to take the SATs for them? Go, tight, tight, tight. Got it, got it. Got right, it, right, right, it. right, right, right. Like, oh, wait, let me check my earpiece that doesn't exist. That earpiece that everyone exactly. says I have. But it's just like, all you got to do is, and this is the other thing. It's like, how many former Trump officials uh, uh, whose books you could just directly quote? That are devastating, yeah. that are excellent. You know, it's like, you, you could bring up Michael Cohen, right? Michael Cohen, who says in his book that Trump said that blacks and Latinos are too stupid to vote for me, right? Like, bring up that sh stuff because you should go there because yeah. he is that awful. So, yeah, not defending yourself on your own like academic like record and not using it as a moment to point out how Trump paid for his SAT score is like, ooh, easy. Such a big miss. This is so, so sad. So there's this universe, and and actually, I want to go to a couple of super chats. I'm, I, I see yeah, yeah. I want to. Uh, so that Effiat guy, Effiat, Efflat, I can't, I don't have my glasses on. I'm so sorry. That Efflat or Effiat guy uh, says, Bernie shares Trump's most appealing quality being funny. We missed the opportunity to get him in the White House. Thanks, Obama, Pete, and Amy. <laughs> Hashtag. 
<laughs> he is very funny. Uh, and then, and then I actually thought this through the debate. Dustin Turner says, "Give Trump a shot collar." Hashtag Trump shot collar. Hashtag drain the White House. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like if you want to cut the mic, just buzz him a little bit. Buzz yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Yeah, Chris Wallace would have a little too much fun with that. That's the other thing. I also thought Chris Wallace shut up when he felt like he liked Trump's point. Like he kept on saying, "You can't mm. interrupt." And then when he liked what Trump was saying, he he wouldn't inter- he wouldn't stop him. Um, but yeah, fact, it was Chris Wallace is a registered Democrat in the District of Columbia. When usually these journalists don't they they don't register. I mean, it's because it's wow. DC. So he has said like DC does not give you the ability to, you know, you have to be able to vote party line. But it's interesting. I you know throwing that out there. Um, of I'm course, his father Trump didn't was Mike Wallace. Against him. Exactly. Well, here's the other thing about Trump: like he threw everything at Biden, yes. which makes me think this whole strategy of Biden not responding this whole entire time, like the whole entire campaign. I've, I've always felt like it's way too conservative. He could have surrogates out there. They're well-trained surrogates. Mm-hmm. Kamala could go bolder. She could be issuing attacks on Pence. It could be real stuff happening that of course, excites his base and might even sway some of the people, the, the 3%. Yeah. But but Biden has been so afraid to just, just throw a few of these easy ones out there because he's afraid it's going to turn into a fighting match, which it did. That's been, I think, all of us on the left have said it's going to happen no matter what. You're dealing with a madman. You're dealing with somebody who doesn't play by the rules. You're yes. dealing with somebody who's trained by Steve Bannon and, and Roger Stone. What do you expect? Do you expect this guy to show some dignity? No. So you respond and you say, you have no dignity. You are embarrassing the country. You're embarrassing yes. the world. This White House used to be something. Even, I mean, th- there was this moment he about- He did him- say that he wasn't presidential. This is not presidential, which was something. <laughs> but, you know, I also think that he doesn't really commit to some of those lines. Um, no. He should have, you know, when, when Biden knew what he was saying, when he was on message, um, I thought he was actually good, right? Like he was, he was trying to get out his point. They were, they were good points. He remembered the points. I'm, I know it's a low bar, but I'm serious. Like I, I thought he did a good job. It's just that once again, you need a few zingers and things in your arsenal. So, cause you, you're exactly right. You know what he's going to throw at you. Uh, I, I mean, well, look, we've seen like Jim Acosta and Wijia Jung like do a better job going at, oh, yeah. and Yamish Alcindor doing a better job going after Trump in the White House press corps than like Biden could have just talked to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, just a little bit of like, so how did you do it? How'd you get him on this? How'd you get him on that? Um, it's also personal for them. They're in that room and I mean, you could see it in their eyes. They're so frustrated and oh. angry and they, it, it's, it's almost impossible at that point to not push back. Oh, uh, we have another uh, uh, super chat question. Do you think this is from Vinny Holiday? What a name, I love it. Do you think Trump's clear lack of denouncing Proud Boys will hurt him further? <sighs> yes. We can only hope. I mean, this is ultimately the bargain that they're making, right? So Trump can appeal to Proud Boys the way that we used to mock the right wing for appealing to the Christian coalition, right? That was like the furthest right you could go. The the right. anti-gay, anti-abortion faction, you know, women need to stay at home and like birth children. That That right. was like the most extreme you could get. But now it's it's the alliance between the Proud Boy faction and the folks who who want lower taxes and want their Supreme Court justice. And I, I don't know. I mean, will it dissuade them from voting? Probably not, in my opinion. 
I think every time he refuses to condemn white nationalists, and I don't know whether people know the Proud Boys, but I do, you know, I, I think it was a good, it was a pretty surprisingly good question from Chris Wallace. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a really important one to ask. I do think somehow, I gotta think that every single time Trump refuses to condemn David Duke, uh, you know, white nationalists in Charlottesville, that it continues to dawn on at least a couple people. Like, somehow it finally gets through. So every single time he's given an opportunity, if it were up to me, I'd give an him an opportunity every single day. Um, because I do think that there's a few moments in this presidency you got to keep on coming back to. And one of them is the bad people on both, or good and bad people on both sides. Right. That's, that's like, it. it is significant that Biden, and I didn't think he followed up well with it, in terms of talking about structural racism, talking about white nationalism, talking about the KKK, just talk about it. Say, let me tell you the story of four little girls uh, yes. whose church was bombed by the KKK and died. Like, talk about that. You know, you draw on the legacy of, you know, of the civil rights movement. When someone says there's violence in the streets, say the riot is a language of the unheard. MLK Jr. said that. Like. Was he a radical, right? So like, these are the things um, that that he failed to sort of stick the landing on. But yeah, I mean, the Proud Boys comment, look, I'm just glad we're talking about Proud Boys in the same breath that we say Antifa. And I'm yeah. also glad that Biden, you know, Biden was like, yeah, Antifa, you know, they're more of a, your own CIA, your own FBI said, they're a loose movement. They're not an organization. So uh, his own FBI is investigating the, the police departments across the country that have organized white supremacy in them. I would yes. love for him to say that instead of saying, there's a couple of bad apples. Yes. I don't know. It was a lost opportunity for Biden. I mean, this is, this is an ultimate, there's, I think there's a real moment here, right? It might be lost where an, you, he, Biden can have an ad where it's like, you don't want to pay a lot of in taxes, X, Y, Z, you know, faction, upper, upper middle class. Guess what? In my plan, you're not going to pay a lot in taxes. Guess who's going to? Yeah. Yes, exactly. I'll leave that part out because they all think they're going to be like a Bezos. That's the problem is they've like tricked themselves into thinking, oh, my upper middle class like car wash, you know, making $400,000 a year. They think they're going to be a billionaire next year. That's a real, and that's actually something that Trump has tapped into and he did it in his Art of the Deal book. Like he talked mm. about this. Mm -hmm. So if if Biden could 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 jump into that lane and say, I actually have have more of a history of doing so, you know, under the Obama plan, we did X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. But also, let's talk about the real systemic racism in this country. Yeah. Because it's exactly. not swaying those middle voters against Biden. No. But something is swaying them against Biden. And, and I don't, I mean, if you're going to do this grand bargain, like, let's build a popular front. But I, I need Biden to talk to the left. And we need Biden to talk to these, like, these, 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 like, upper middle class, I don't want to pay more in taxes voters yeah and it has to be both but he can't do one or the other or none because i don't even think he's talking to all three of them i think it's like dignity 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 I and know. that's it i think there is a way to thread the needle especially around blm that he wasn't able to do yeah. i think you can say defund the police is a slogan um and it's captivating a lot of people because they see the lack of investment in infrastructure in their communities. And then they also see themselves being policed when they wanna go out and brutalize, brutalize. We all saw this. Like, why do we pretend? You can't pretend. It is so disingenuous at this stage to even pretend that there's a bad apples 
uh, logic to the cops. Look at it, like, are you, you're, you're just not paying attention. Then. then you just, then you're just not looking. So that's the thing is that you can say, you know, you can temper it. You can say uh, like a reinvestment, a redistribution of some of that money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, the police, take the police aside. Like many of us who believe in defunding the police have been doing, which is it's easier for the cops when they don't have to be your mother, father, priest, social worker, you know, health care advisor, like whatever, mental health professional. Like use those. But see, that's the thing is that's not even in his language to try and defend a very, a movement that has captured so many young people, so many new voters. And so that's the thing is like, I don't, I think it's a wash. This whole debate is a wash. Yeah. But you're right that if he wanted to gain that ground with the supposed left, um, I don't think it's a leftist position to say we need to rethink the police. Um, But he didn't make inroads into maybe those black, Latino, Asian American communities, young people who don't feel inspired, who need to feel inspired. I didn't, he, I didn't see him reaching them. He needs to get, I mean, listen, if it comes down to 3% of the vote and if it comes down to, you know, Michigan in 2016, it was 10,000 votes. Uh, even fewer in Wisconsin, where, of course, we didn't have operations set up. You know, it really, it, it, it could make a difference. I mean, if he, if he spoke a little bit more truth when it came to climate, if he spoke a little bit more truth recognizing the systemic issues, maybe even said, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. We did not understand the complexity and we are trying to band-aid a problem based on faulty information and and frankly we were pushed into fear in the 90s and i was wrong yeah. Yeah. And now it's the time yeah. to make amends and and simultaneously he can have a conversation with the upper middle class folks who think that they're going to be billionaires and say you know what instead of waiting 10 15 years before you're a billionaire <laughs> i'll lower your taxes now yeah. So they yeah. have more of a pathway to being a billionaire. He did start, and I, I think Trump interrupted him. I was also live streaming, oh, really? so I don't know. I thought, <laughs> okay. he, I thought he started to say something like, you're using old vestiges of racism and, and yes. thinking about race relations like that we need to shed. So that I thought, that I think was really positive, and I can only hope that maybe Kamala has had that effect on him. I, I will say this, it was a little bit heartening to see how animated he got talking about his climate plan. That that to him mattered, that it was exciting to him because he knows that it actually, you know, is good, that it is a step in the right direction, that it's $2 trillion, that it is carbon neutral by 2035, um, that that's really huge. And I, I, so I'm sad that they didn't have that topic before and i'm sad he didn't come out more forcefully for it but i guess on a sort of intra like discussion of how he would be president the fact that he seemed excited about that and to talk about that is heartening for me because it's like oh good then maybe he'll actually make good on it you mean planting a billion trees is and and like some paper straws are gonna (laughs) solve it hey guys i know you love your paper straws i just you know let's have a real conversation even progressives you know, they want to get rid of plastic straws. I understand it's, it's, it's affecting the environment. It's affecting wildlife, uh, especially in oceans. But the recycling movement was pushed by the fossil fuel industries in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that, go check it out. The real seismic issues are going to be taken away from the consumers. It doesn't mean that, like, all that stuff isn't great and you should do it. This is a silicon straw I'm drinking out of right now, just to put that out there, um, which I keep leaving at or, restaurants. Or are, you being, are people them. talking about that? 
No, I just added it. But <laughs> you're like, I'm preempting the criticism. Pretty much. But, you know, we really have to have like deeper conversations about these things and, and yes. what's going to be like seismically changing it. So on that note. Oh, um, oh, oh, and, the, and the other thing, sorry, just I will say no, that, go ahead, go ahead. you know, the crassness with which Trump talked about oh the wildfires God. needs oh to be God. pointed out. And and he ne and Biden should have pointed that out. Like you laughed in the face of officials when you visited California, you relish in the state being on fire. Um, and also when Trump basically utilized the COVID deaths the in the same way that he utilized the Puerto Rico deaths and after the hurricane, right? Like th this in the exact same way, oh, uh, at least I had le fewer deaths than uh, than in Katrina, which wasn't true, right? But like, no, no, no. So also, but like he's death, he's death comparing. He doesn't yes. care. Like so, pointing out his crassness when it comes to the loss of human life, which is so so basic. It's just like, again, we're this is the ilk of politician. This is the ilk of the Democrats that doesn't get the fascism that we're up against. They, they don't get it. They don't know how to fight it. They think they're still trying to like, you see them trying to sort of appeal to the better angels of Trump. They don't exist. They're not there, <laughs> you know, let it go. And it's, it, so it's interesting because Biden, so Biden got elected to the Senate when he was 29. He took office when he was 30. Um, one of his former advisors who's passed away, I, I knew for many years, um, he recruited Biden to to run initially and advised mm. Clinton and Carter and Dean and a bunch of other folks. And he said something to me a few years ago um, that I thought was really interesting. And this is before Bernie really took off uh, and it was likely to be Biden versus Hillary, but of course Biden stepped out because Biden did not have the superdelegates lined up and Hillary did. So his advisor said to me, you know, Biden came about before the era of the perfectly constructed candidate, mm. meaning it's very hard to get him to stay to a script. Um, it's easier to get him to empathize, and and it's 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 why you know a few weeks ago we did this whole show, and I said in my opening, I said, "Let Biden be Biden." The way that they mm. let Trump be Trump, let him do that thing that he does that sometimes gets him in trouble, but every campaign gets in trouble, so you just gotta throw that away and let it go. Let him do that thing he does, where he tries yeah. to look you in the eyes and connect and feel them because. That is ultimately the antithesis. That is what he is compared to Trump. Trump, who is talking about deaths like they mean nothing because they, they, they don't to him at all. And Biden can connect it. Like, first off, he started to go that route with, with his son, which is yeah. a very real story. You want to talk about veterans? My son served in Afghanistan and in Iraq. I think you're right. I mean, there's a question as to whether there will even be more debates. So there's that. But I absolutely think you're right. These are, I mean, I think the same applies to Bernie. You know, as yeah. much as I love his politics, I have a lot of stylistic criticisms of how he carried himself in his campaign. These are 78-year-olds. These guys are pushing 80. They're not going to learn new tricks. And so, like, to be honest with you, kind of hats off to Biden for not just going on a very long tangent the entire time about <laughs> his son, you know, even though, you know, it's just like, but I hear, I hear you exactly. It's like, you can't rein these people in, let them do what they do. Let them be what Trump is, is he's real, <laughs> real racist, but he's very honest. So just let him be honest. Let him be real. I don't know. Do you think there's going to be more debates, Nomiki, after this? <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to do another debate. I mean, next week there's a debate between Kamala and Pence. But, I mean, again, like, 
I think it's just theatrics. I think it's ratings. I think if they really wanted these debates to make a difference, they should have done them in the beginning of August and started them then. Because, like, I said it on, on the majority report today. I was like, listen, having a debate right now is like, ha- because the way that the people are voting right now, it's like having a debate in the middle of, like, election day at noon. Like, yes. Like, yes. like okay, half the ballots have been casted. Okay, the final ones will be swayed. Many of them will. And, you know, of course, the poll watching situation that Trump mentioned. So there, there is one thing that I think our audience, you said at the top, and it was, um, it stuck with me in that Biden was listening as much as he was reacting to everything and it would have been nice for him to just, like, let it go. He was listening. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've heard from folks who are extreme critics of Biden uh, and mm-hmm. the Obama administration. Before DSA exploded, before the Bernie movement, these are the harshest critics when it was not popular. They said, say what you will about Biden, uh, he responds to things and he listens. Mm. And, mm. you know, I, I do think that Bernie gets under his skin, even though they're supposedly friends. Um, he gets kind of testy about that. But I think there's a space there, there's a crevice. There's a reason why that $1 trillion climate change uh, proposal is out there. There's a reason why Biden moved on fracking, and and Josh Fox likes to tell this story about yes. when they were doing the big fracking fight. You know, Josh could barely get Governor Cuomo to move, which he did. It, re- it required tons of protests. We were part of that big fight. Um, you know, he he they had they had put everything, celebrities, bus tours. I mean, it yeah. was full New York Times ads to get the Democratic governor of New York State to ban fracking. And it's still not fully banned. But Joe Biden, he's listened. And he sat down. He said, all right, I feel it. I feel the pressure. And he did it. Yeah. I'm not saying he has some sort, sort of internal moral compass that goes in the, in, you know, in the direction of neoliberalism or left, leftism. It's just something that is swayable. Yeah, uh, Josh told that story on my podcast, The Bituation Room, which Nomiki's been on, and you guys should all- Go uh, check it out. Go check it out, listen to it. There's there's jokes, it's funny, it's funny too. Um, but I will say that a mentor, a good mentor of mine, Max Elbaum, who's written a great book called Revolution in the Air and uh, was radicalized in the 60s and 70s, he said to me, specifically comparing someone like Cuomo to someone like Biden, that Cuomo is unmovable you know and people have even said that about bernie like love him or hate him but he's just this is what it is this is these are his policies these are this is his thinking and biden isn't that but cuomo is extremely that to us in a centrist way bernie might be extremely that to a democratic socialist way but biden can be moved biden can sit down and be lobbied by you know many many women who are telling him about domestic violence and then turn around and sign, you know, the Violence Against Women Act, which is huge. That's a huge crown jewel in his legacy. So those things um, I think do point to, and Josh's story points to, yeah, maybe the guy is not a lost cause. So yeah, that's sort of, I feel like we're, we're because you can't analyze this in any normal sense, like it, <laughs> I think we're doing a good job of being like- He okay, listens. Well, how, <laughs> right, right. He lives, okay, that's good. He, he, he ain't deaf. I pretty much think that the takeaway is he ain't deaf. Cool. <laughs> like, great. And you know who needs Adderall? Donald Trump. They were like, listen, we know we like to give him Adderall so we can get through the day, but like, if there's any time not to give Donald Trump Adderall, it's before the debate. <laughs> oh my he God. was like, bruh, 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 bruh. No, 
he was, yeah, he was in Sorn. Also, let's be real. Um, it's a sign of weakness when you have to be that hysterical, when you have to be that flailing, when you have to be that angry. Yes. It's a sign of weakness. So that's the other thing we should always remember. It's not just a tactic. It's also because you don't really have a leg to stand on. Yeah. He didn't know where to stop. I think in the beginning, <laughs> disrupting, disrupting, and then they were like, go ahead, let Trump be Trump. And then Trump didn't stop. And there's a rhythm. You know, sometimes you push, sometimes you pull back. Yeah. Sometimes you push, sometimes you pull back. But no, he just went all the way. I, I actually feel mm. like he was more aggressive and, like you said, desperate um, than 2016. I mean, Ooh, so much. So, so let's, before we wrap up, because, you know, we have to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, it's so late there. It's, we're on the same coast right now. So it's oh, 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 yes. Yeah, so oh, it's so late. Ooh, my bedtime's it's, nine. <laughs> Um, before, but before we wrap up, the, the Clinton debates versus debate tonight, and granted it's only one debate, so we don't have a lot to work with, but uh, I, I can't get get that, that, that visual out of my mind of Trump just like taunting Hillary Clinton from behind. I was like psychotic. It was like psychotic. he read some sort of book on how to like win a deal or whatever it was that he does. And that was it. Or, like, how to meet with a dictator. Or, I don't know. I mean, no, who's that's, training them? No, Mickey, you think he needs to read a book to know how to stalk a woman? This is that's Donald true. Trump. That's true. That's he knows true. exactly how to stalk a woman. He's a rape. He's a creep. So, I, I will say this. I notoriously thought Clinton was not able to shut Trump down. I didn't think yeah. she was able to speak to what he was speaking to. Um, whether that was on trade or on any of the lies that he was spewing about her. But I think she did do a good job of speaking to the audience, which is sort of what her point was, was to be like, stay on message. Now, that message might have been mildly inspiring and very dry, but she did a good job kind of of not letting him rattle her. And that was good to get her points across, but it wasn't good to sort of just like, you know, like, stop, you know, like. And every time she would kind of do that, everyone would be like, oh my God, amazing. But she needed, so she needed more of that. So I feel like this is absolutely, and, and Trump trying to be a president. Trump's like, I know how to debate, you know, like I will be calm. And I think it does look, look bad when you start constantly interrupting a woman, right? Um, that being but said- not bad enough uh, because he won. <laughs> not bad enough because half the country really loves it when you interrupt women, actually, yeah. <laughs> turns yeah. out. Turns out a lot of women in this country that Hillary was trying to sway ended up voting with their partners who did not like it when a woman stood up for herself. Everyone it doesn't call, just happen. Call it happens your relatives. Call your, I have emails I gotta write, people I need to call and talk to who I'm like, I'm just gotta make sure they're not voting Trump this time. So what are you gonna say to, I mean, I, don't, I mean, obviously everybody's a little bit different, but, mm -hmm. um, I'm very lucky that, at least on one side of my family, the Republicans are are McCain Republicans. Sure. They got guns. Uh, they read the Wall Street Journal. They live yes. in Arizona. But they want dignity in the White House. And for whatever reason, this crossed, like, Trump crossed the line. I don't know what it is. It's like an Arizona thing. But on the other hand, I've got, like, the evangelicals, and they're just, I'm not even, no. It's not <laughs> It's not happening. So what are you doing to sway? And who are they that you can actually sway? Because I don't even know who these people are. No, I think my the people I have to sway are much more, they, 
they are more evangelical and I do think that they voted for Trump and I think they may be although I don't I haven't checked in with them about it they may be swayed by some of the BLM fear mongering so what I'm gonna do is send them a really good video of the Seattle coach of the Seattle coach of the Seahawks speaking about racial injustice and Black Lives Matter and why the boycott that the NFL did was good and necessary he is a calm white man who is explaining racism calmly and he's white have i mentioned he's white and it's great i don't tell me his name i forget his name but it's like a good video and i'm like look i know you guys are probably not voting for trump but just to make sure like this is not biden's america quote unquote and and these protests which you might have been triggered around um here's someone who can explain it really well that's my strategy i hope it works is there like a preacher too that you could add to this because there's plenty of preachers out there (laughs) yeah white preacher i mean okay i'm gonna add a little anecdote um i don't share a lot about my personal life my family but in these moments it's really hard not to so i have and they're not watching the show and so who cares i know i was like (laughs) no one's gonna find out you never know Uh, they're not (laughs) so i have um on one side of my family i i have um a family member who married into an evangelical family. She became evangelical and Oof. Southern evangelical. And so they've had a couple kids. Uh, they've all gotten married. The last one to get married was, I think, in the Trump election. I think it was 2016. And they all knew me from Fox News. So it was like this very rare dynamic where they all hate me. <laughs> and you show up. Oh, wow. But I, they hate me from their platform. So there's, like, these very strange things that happened at this wedding where, like, people would just, like, try to pick fights with me because they, like, wanted what? to take down... I don't know. It was very strange. So, odd wedding. My dad is an atheist. I'm agnostic. My dad is an atheist. And it's his family member. And we... He, he hated being there. We pull into the driveway of the reception area. It's on Robert E. Lee Drive. Uh, we Ooh. pull into the... Um, you know, to, into the location, which I think used to be a slave household. Oh, God. Uh, there's... Like a former plantation? No. Oh, no, no. It was definitely it was off of a former plantation, not technically, like, divided it up and turned it into some sort of capitalist thing. <laughs> and, and and then, you know, all there's, like, pictures all around. And so my dad and I are getting a drink, and we're looking at this wall, and I can't remember. There's something extremely racist on the wall, and we're just, our jaws are dropped. And this guy pulls up next to us and he's like, man, that's bad. He's like, that is some racist shit. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, we found a friend! Oh, like, yay! And this wedding. So then the guy, I mean, there's talking to my dad, and my dad's an atheist, and then, and then you know, they're a long conversation, and the guy goes, my name's Reverend blah, blah, blah. He was the priest, or the reverend, I don't know, I'm Orthodox, like, of the wedding. Amazing. And so we had this really long conversation with him about racism and how it's just been portrayed a certain way. And I just feel like there are these diamonds. I mean, and, and my family, that side of the family, they're racist. <laughs> like, they're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if they knew that that reverend had some sort of empathy. But he was a kind of woke evangelical. I don't know if that exists. I'm not. I didn't know it existed. He's probably not an evangelical. But may I mean. I don't. I wish I knew. I knew that the family is. And, you know, they're born, born again Christian and, and evangelicals. There was a mixed marriage, I guess. <laughs> But there's, I think there's space. I like there's don't know there. like my zealots, my like Christian zealot de- <laughs> delineations, denomination. What denomination of zealot are you? Ooh, <laughs> like I, uh, 
Thankfully, I don't. I mean, I've been to mega churches, believe you me. But anywho, yes. So did he did he go to bat for you later when everyone was coming up to you and trying to get you into get into fights with you? No, I sat in the corner. I was kind of it was it was an interesting wedding. Um, luckily, really? one of the one of the siblings that's older my age did not drink the Kool Aid because it was a little bit he was too old for for that to affect him. So we had our own little. Our, ah, we sat with the priest the whole time and talked Pariah with him. Pariah corner. <laughs> you guys are like, we'll be over here, you know, believing in science and shit. I mean, excuse me, you know. Uh, oh my God, it is. I'm sure many people relate to this, but what's really strange to me is, I mean you you have like an ethnic background it's really odd when i'm greek or my i'm not greek orthodox i was raised greek orthodox but i'm greek and so the orthodox community technically it's the first christian religion so it's like how much more religious could you get going full born again so it's it's it it doesn't mash up um when you get like the cultural greeks are like what are you talking about what do you mean like they don't understand any of this and it's just an awkward situation to be in it's like saying you're a vegetarian at easter or something <laughs> it is hard i mean you know my my family is chinese and my dad's side is italian but it's hard i think when you talk to asian americans who feel um who have really low voter turnout yeah. and who often feel like they are not included in conversations because they're not they're not really, um, their issues aren't being spoken to. Um, they don't see themselves represented often, but I often think they take it upon themselves to like, as like, well, I'm not involved, you know, maybe I don't need to turn out to the election. It'll just go this way or that. And it's like, you know, it is important for immigrants and kids of immigrants to remind our families that they absolutely matter, that we are a growing block and that we have to include ourselves in this system. Otherwise we'll be, we will be cut out. And I absolutely think there are right wing Asian Americans, uh, mostly on like the economy, but I think Trump, especially in places like California have completely burned that like, Hmm. like the OC. I mean, I, I, one interesting point Biden brought up today was like the suburbs, which was again, the point that we were talking about how he was like these vestiges of racism that you're using, like don't work anymore. It's like the suburbs are integrated, which is what he called them, but that's what a language Trump can understand. Like, oh yeah, you mean they don't have separate water fountains, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the places like the OC is a rich suburb and it's pretty heavily Asian. Yeah. And guess what? They don't like Trump. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah. look, I'm for social conservatism, maybe, and like lower taxes, but this fool Mm-mm, didn't sign up for this fool. So maybe they're in line with some of the Arizona family members you have. Um, I don't really understand it. I mean, I think I think there is a national um, perception of what Arizona is when it comes to conservatism, and it's very much skewed by like Tea Party members that organized here ten years ago, who still exist. They're very loud. They're not necessarily indicative of the whole conservative population, and and like you know, and the big part of the conversation that's being left out is independence and how independence sway and and in a lot of these Sun Belt states, independence there's very large independent populations, meaning folks who don't register as Democrats or Republicans, they right. vote in presidential races, they don't vote in primaries, and they're right. really, f- they're more to the left-leaning, and that's a big factor here. So I think New York, excuse me, New York, Arizona is more uh, left than folks think. In 2006, one of my first field director jobs, we flipped New York, we, I did it again, we flipped Arizona blue, <laughs> nice. and it was part of this, you know, it was 2006. It was partly because we knew the wave that was about to occur. But that's why Democrats have to invest in these states because they're close. And Went to Trump, right? Yeah, I mean, in two thousand, so in two thousand six, it turned blue. Two thousand eight, um, don't forget, two thousand eight, 
Obama versus McCain, McCain barely squeaked by with a win. Wow. Yeah. So that's a big indication there. Obama took it, um, and then it went to Trump. So something mm-hmm, is not matching up. And I, I do think some of it comes down to just like 40 years, 30 years of, of sexism against Hillary on Fox News. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what this this <laughs> this election's also going to prove that. Yep. Um, I hope he gets trounced. I don't think it matters how Biden does, but I, I, I he he could have had more wins tonight and yeah. did not. Um, but if the if mainstream media outlets are saying it was a dumpster fire, like what are we supposed to do? <laughs> Be like, yep, you created him. Yeah, exactly. You've let him run amok on you for so long. What, what, Les Moonves before he was fired from CBS was this yeah. whole thing. Great for the ratings. Terrible for America, great for ratings. Awesome. Um, before we wrap up, we have just a few more minutes. Okay, so what do you think is is the point that we can influence Biden the most on? Mm. Pre or post-election? I mean, I'm going to say post-election because I feel like he's a little distracted right now. I think it's got to be around racial justice. I really do. I think it has to be around policing. I think in terms of going back to... Um, and I can't remember all the statutes, but under the Obama administration, basically allowing there to be more open investigations of police units, um, stopping the militarization of those police units and letting weapons of war go immediately into, you know, these communities by by way of the police. I think it's gotta be. This has been the issue of 2020 other than COVID is Black Lives Matter. So we need to see him put some real oomph behind that, some real, something concrete behind that pass those legislative reforms that Congress uh, put up there, but do far more than that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to take a long time. Like, I think this is going to be an issue that we won't win immediately, of course. We're not going to be able to reimagine policing tomorrow, but we can make inroads. Um, So, yeah, that's got to be it for me. That that and and stopping detentions immediately. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those are two things, ultimately, when people say, okay, great, none of us do. But we need a popular front to defeat fascism. And when you look at those who are the most affected, um, I mean, now it's like irreversible at this point, who have been most affected moving forward. Moving forward. Moving. I mean, in February, if Trump wins, I think he's going to shut down YouTube, frankly. Like, that's the sure. future I'm envisioning under a Trump presidency. No, Mickey, we're moving forward is in the next three months. Moving forward, yes. this, this president in a lame right. duck session. That's right. Just like... Every single day he's in office, he is a danger and people are dying under him. Every single time, like Chad Wolf, Chad effing Wolf as DHS secretary is a human rights violation, a walking human rights violation wrapped in a soap star's body. So like, (laughs) you know, bad soap opera. So anyway, just to say, I I didn't mean to interrupt. I just feel like it's like, you know, every single day we don't have this man is is an okay day we need better problems as a country and biden's going to give us problems they're going to be better problems they're going to be problems we maybe know hand, how to handle more than straight up fascism because yeah. i don't know about you but i don't know how to handle a militarized tank i don't know how to handle you know young people being chased through the streets of portland for blocks and blocks when the police were supposed to be protecting them from the proud boys like i don't know i actually because i don't have a tank because I don't have, like, 
do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, what are, where are we, we're out of options here. And, and, and also like, we have to keep in mind here, the, the, as much as we do not believe in the, the, the militarized system and the hegemony, I can't even say the word, hegemony that, that has been created, when there is no, when there's no American president who like normalizes, um, decent, I, I mean, I don't even know how to say this in the most politically sensitive way, but when there isn't disruption on the streets of all across America, which is just bound to accelerate for right, I mean, reasons that need to happen. Like there should have been protests under the Obama administration that pushed him on criminal justice. There should have been protests. There were, there were, there were. BLM started under him, but yes, yes. hundred percent. But I mean, like to the point where he, he had to seriously acknowledge them. I mean, mm -hmm. there were um, immigrants who took, millions of immigrants who took to the streets. These all were things, but to this level, this has not happened under 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 neoliberals, and I'm so happy it's happening now. With that being said, like you said, tanks showing up in the streets, but the U.S. government is unheard of. And so, if our government is completely broken apart and any normalcy, even if it's a bad normalcy that is creating like absolute chaos, dysfunction, where neoliberals and conservatives don't know how to react and the course of business is disrupted and government doesn't know how to function. There's no one to save us. I worked in Libya. And this is a little disjointed, but I worked in Libya um, seven years ago. And good I remember segue. When... Good segue. But no, it, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is. When I worked there seven years ago, um, right, off, like, right after I got off the plane, uh, they came to pick me up. And the first thing I heard from my one Westerner who was there, uh, he said to me, just want you to know, first thing, the U.S. isn't going to save you if something goes down. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, and then he was like, we're about to get on a roadway into Tripoli. It's very dangerous. Um, you have to do X, Y, Z things. And I knew all these things because we had prepared. We'd done security trainings, et cetera, et cetera. And we were there to teach women how to run for office. So if anybody, I hear the people online, and I think a lot of them are sadists, but it, we were there to... <laughs> to teach women how to run for office. Hello. This is post-revolution. <laughs> Let me be very clear, post-revolution. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was something that was like kind of jarring as brainwashed, even the, I mean, you, you don't know until you, unless you grew up in an unstable environment, unless you, 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 you have been part of an uprising in which your government has been dismantled and there's been an actual coup, it is very hard to psychologically understand. No one is there to save you. And I feel Joshua Con Russell and I talk about this all the time. We are moving into a coup. That is what we are facing in 35 days. And either yeah. you are on the side of the popular front to stop the coup, or in three months, say goodbye to all your favorite YouTube shows. Say goodbye to Netflix. Say goodbye to your security. <laughs> say, to, say goodbye to your savings because the dollar is going to be devalued so much yes. that there's no way to even. I mean, like, are we? Do people understand what what is potentially about to happen? That well, and I think that 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 last part is really important. I lived in Argentina for five years, and they know exactly what it's like to have a mismanaged kleptocratic government, um, which is a perfect marriage of neoliberals in the north and demagogues in the south. Um, basically, run your country into a ground and wake up the next morning, and all of your savings are gone. So imagine right now if all of the money you have in the bank tomorrow or in, in three months, it's worth a fourth of what it was worth. 
huh, what would that do to our economy? So, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing I will say um, about about this, and I lost my train of thought because I am hungry and what, we'll let oh, you go. Oh, with, oh, oh, yeah. I think what it also does is I think we have this like this delusion on the left of accelerationism that we're just going to spur the revolution and then we're going to, you know, Lenin's going to come to power and it's all going to be hunky dory and let's forget Stalin even happened. Like that's not going to happen. What happens when you have a destabilized government, when you have a government that doesn't take care of people, when you have rampant corruption and violence and et cetera, you just get more demagogues. Yeah. You just get another, you'll have another Trump. You'll have a different Trump. You might have a left-wing Trump and I am not the person to be like, oh, you're gonna have a left-wing Trump, but you might. They'll be violent and then they'll promise free healthcare. And we on the left will be like, I don't know. I like the healthcare, but I don't like that you're persecuting and locking people in prison. You know, like, so yeah. this is what I'm saying. Like you open yourself up when you're ungovernable. And I think that's why people voted for Trump initially, which was like, I hate this system and and they're so ineffective. That's right. And wow, it's kind of, if anyone was doing 7D chess this whole time, it was Mitch McConnell to be like, I'm gonna make the most egregious, awful, unproductive government known to man under Obama to then frustrate people so much that we'll just create Trump. And he'll be like, you know, Nixon and Reagan reincarnate when it comes to racism and dog whistles. And there you go. Like, it's, it's, the, we've already seen the darkness. <laughs> like, it yeah. leads to Trump. No, I mean, and, and it's, that's such an important note to end on. Like, I think today, a lot of leftists that may have been swayed by Tulsi Gabbard realized, oh, wait, Ooh. oh, oh. Tulsi, our friend, and who knows how far back. So we as a movement have to be much more sophisticated about who we pledge our loyalty to. You yes. are getting in bed with people. You need to understand who you're getting in bed with, how close you want to be to them. Do you want to go to bat for a Tulsi Gabbard or anyone? You ha I mean, it's, it's very hard because then also what happens is when things don't go, when they lose or betray you, it's very hard for you to break that bond. So I think what's happening with a lot of leftists right now in this this primary or post primary is yeah they they they're sad they're angry that Bernie lost and that they are betrayed and it's very hard to say like okay I'm voting for Biden okay f whatever make phone calls for your local DA candidate because that local DA candidate depends on yes. that mobilization find the right place to put your energy but if you're still consumed Dan Winslow in the neoliberal world or the leftists who can't get over the fight between Biden and Bernie like this is not the moment. The moment yeah. now is is fascism or no fascism. Yeah. With that being said, then you have folks like Tulsi Gabbard who push out, um, for those of you who missed it, she tweeted out a video in which she repeated uh, talking points from the, um, uh, what is it, what's the name of the organization? Project Veritas. Thank you, Project Veritas. I want to get it out of my mind. Project Veritas. Yeah, this, the guy who started this went to jail. Like literally, he, he, he shut down Acorn, uh, he shut down, he, he tried to expose Planned Parenthood for yep. harvesting babies. His favorite yep. word is harvesting. Harvesting babies and then harvesting votes is his new thing, which is a, it's, it's, it's an attack against Ilhan Omar in particular, who's not in a real, she hasn't, she's like, what is she harvesting votes for? She's, yeah. she won. <laughs> like, what's, what is she, she's not really being challenged right now. So, um, 
of all the things that Tulsi Gabbard could have talked about when it comes to voter suppression, like actual voter suppression, she decided to amplify Project Veritas. What do you think is going on there? Um, she's grifting off of her fame on the left for being one of the few people to talk about like endless war. <laughs> like she's just grifting. Um, you know, Tulsi has, look, I, I can't even say, this, especially if Asadis are in the chat. Oh man. Uh, I don't think they are. Tulsi so has some shit. Tulsi's had some shady backer backers. She has obviously checkered past when it comes to which wars she likes and which wars she doesn't like. Because she seems chill with Assad, and she, she seems chill with you know Hindu right. nationalism in uh, in India. Yep. But then she hates you know American it, occupation of Iraq, etc. Which we all do, yes. But like I'm not cool with hunting down Muslims in India and promoting Hindu nationalism. So Tulsi is. Uh, kind of an enigma. She is a little bit of a villain. On I think she's a villain. That's just like that white stripe is very, very creepy to me. Um, In her hair, you mean? She grew that out. Yeah. Yeah. I will just say this. For those, I think you're so right when it comes to knowing um, who to trust, when to trust, be discerning about who we support. And I will just say this, like anyone who tells you that they got the lockdown on truth is not a good pundit, is not a good journalist. It's not someone you should follow. And I hope, I, I, I know Miki, that is why I like you, that's why I like your show. That is why I try to do that in everything I do. And also when you're running for office, you might like where a, some, a candidate stands on the issues, but are they actually doing the work? Are they building the bridges? Are they working in communities to actually make good on their politics? Are they trying to make their politics a reality every single day? Or are they just standing on the sidelines with their arms crossed saying the right things, but not actually doing anything in the real world to make it happen? And this is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to Biden winning the primary. That's right. Oh, oh, what are we, whoa, whoa, oh man, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna stand on the sidelines and watch this go by because we've got better politics? No. And, and so that's what it is, I think, if someone shows you a little bit of sliminess, like a little bit of two-facedness, and they're a politician, that actually might be a good sign. That means they've got different messages for different communities because mm -hmm. they know how to roll. They know how to talk to a, this group of people and that group of people. I am not good on Fox News. No, Miki is good. Like, it's good to know how to talk to right-wingers. Like, I've never done that. I haven't been on Fox and Friends. I haven't. But it, so it's, a, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are all yeah. You oh, I fight like, them. They don't. They don't fall for me. <laughs> I don't win any of them. No, no. I know you. I know you're not it's trying like to sport. level. <laughs> I know you're not trying to level with them, but don't trust someone who says, "Nah, I don't talk to right wingers." You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if I'm like, uh, "No, uh, I just, I don't. I'm just gonna have the conversation in my little shell over here in my little bubble. I don't even talk to this. I've never even met anyone who's a conservative. Like, obviously, this is ridiculous. So. Anyway, uh, Tulsi uh, is a grifter, and it is sad. And it's okay if you supported her, you liked her before, and you come around. Arms wide open, man. I think that is fine. I used to call her a friend. I mean, I, it was, I mean, it's, I haven't spoken to her in many years, but it's, damn, it's surprising. I mean, her team left abruptly. Her, basically, like, her senior team all left abruptly. And I think they were probably seeing something that we were not seeing. And, and who knows how early, I mean, you don't know. Politics, yeah. study your revolutions, folks. Mm. Um, 
study your revolutions, <laughs> study your revolutions. I'll say it over and over again, because there are these figures that pop up and they're like clones almost in every revolution where you're like, oh, well, that was the Tulsi Gabbard of, of the Russian revolution. That was the Tulsi Gabbard. Right. Right. During the Mexican, you know, revolution, there's, there's different folks that will, they're types. It's almost, you know, history repeats itself, but it's also like personalities repeat themselves. And at the end of the day, while we do have numbers on our side and we do have demographics on our side and of course, working people outnumber the 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 one percent. The problem is, is we are humans, and we're a collect collective of humans. And the more stressed the economic situation is, the more likely we'll be able to push out folks. People will be pushed out, yes, exhausted, shamed, whatever, because they have to survive, or there's an offer that was too big, or they were blackmailed. I mean, pretty sure that's what happened to Donald Trump. I think a lot of that's happening on the left too. Um, you know, look at the look at the class of 2016, Bernie's class of 2016 versus his class of 2020, and really what's happening right now. It's important. I'm sorry to scare everybody, but it's no. Important. I I think you're right. I mean, I think you're right, and I think it's it, it's sad that we have to prove that like, hey, I'm I'm not bought by anybody. I'm not, you know. You know, but you do. And I think one way you prove that and one telltale sign of someone who is being dishonest with you is someone who, no matter what's happening around them and the reality on the ground, will not change their political position. That's right. And they won't have nuance and they won't have strategy. That's kind of this telltale sign that they're a grifter, that like they are just being dogmatic. They're not actually in it to win it, so to speak. They're not in the movement, really. And I think. It's it's all a product, Nomiki, of the fact that we are we're not we're not not powerful, but we don't have enough power. Uh, and once once the left starts to really get power, ooh, oh boy, you're gonna see a lot of people getting bought off. You're gonna see a lot of grifters. In fact, maybe it's a sign that we are powerful that so many people want to buy our love and affection and want to like you know be our Patreon slash um, you know Assadist. <laughs> well, but that's also okay. Just just before we wrap up, I know we have to go. It's important though, when people move to the left, that's great. You know, it's the tough moments, whether they're on the left. And also in terms of elected officials, the, the, the number one way to know who somebody is is follow their money. Same things with organizations. There's a lot of criticism of organizations that didn't go left enough, follow their money. That's right. all it takes. Right. It's public information, not all of it, but pu- most of it's public information. And it's really important. It's really important to see those patterns because, you know, probably nine and a half times out of 10, the reason why they did not vote in favor of Medicare for all is because there's some donor that pushed them in the other direction. And that's what it comes down to. And even then, you still have Cory Bookers who come out who are owned by the pharmaceutical industry. Or the real estate estate industry. Um, Yeah. Oh, no, Miki, this is so great. You're amazing. Thank you. You're amazing. We basically ran as long as the debates. Yes. Just going to say that. I, so easy. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't interrupt you enough, but like, this is know. great. Okay, first off, I love when people interrupt. I'm gonna actually put that in an email when people join the show. Interrupt each other because it's not gonna be Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Well, I just wanted to. I wanted to live up to. Tr- it's the Trumpian level of of interrupting. No, you're a puppet. Um, what there? He didn't have any good lines tonight either. Like he didn't really. You know, before yeah. it was like you're the puppet. Um, that was a big line of 2016. Tonight, there weren't really any good lines. Biden had that one line, which was, 
Will you just shut up? Shut I think up. it was. Will you just that shut up? So Can you just shut up? And that one, mm, I'm going to walk Let away with Let Biden that. be Biden. Let him be Biden. Biggest applause line of the night. Because we're all like, shut up. Shut up, Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone wanted him to shut up. I was screaming shut up. Apparently, yeah. Yes. My uh, dog was like, shut up. Dude, just shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, Ernesto, thank you for joining. Go eat something. Um, I need to eat something too. My my half a mescal cocktail that I made. Is what does it have in it? Um, I don't know. I had mes- I had like a little bit of mescal left, so I poured some mescal ice, club soda, fresh lemon juice, and mm. uh, some sort of sweetener that's like organic. I forgot what it is. My mom bought it for me. It's some like super. Thank you, mom. Moment. Yeah, she's like, you know, I don't want you to have diabetes. She, like, so loves maybe. me a lot. Um, I know. I'm like, simple syrup. Give it to me. I want all that sugar. Mm-hmm. I get uh, pimples in my face, and this is my medium. I cannot have pimples. You look gorgeous. I am I am fresh-faced and bald-faced. I have Fantastic. nothing. I am, like, I'm just coming off a day of work and watching the debates. and bleh. But um, I was like, should I put on lipstick? No, girl. Just give it to them real is how it is. Um, usually, actually, it's a sign that I'm falling off, like, that I'm crazy when I have, like, the brighter lipstick I have is, like, for Jessica's losing it. Um, all right, guys, uh, thank Earrings you. Earrings for me. The bigger they get, I don't even know where they come from. They just show up. I'm like, ah! I'm freaking out. Oh, uh, no, me right. this. Um, if us, thank you. Listen to the Bituation Room. No, Miki was on. It was such a good episode. When does it come out? Where do we find it? Every Sunday, uh, 6 o'clock, 9 Eastern on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube page is youtube.com slash Franifio, F-R-A-N-I-F-I-O. It's hard to find, whatever, just the Bituation Room. You'll find it right away. You'll find it. Best title ever. Hell I don't yeah. know if everybody gets it. Do they all get You should do some sort of spinoff of like Bituation Room. Bituation Room. Situation Room. Hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A... Well, I have, a name, I have a name for myself, which is, I don't know if I can say it on the show, but I am Wolf Klitzer. So <laughs> maybe that helps. Wolf Blitzer loved having Tulsi on. Fun fact. Really? Always on. She was on all, he loved her. That's because they're both robots in the same way. You know, I think like they, whatever, fine tune, like Wolf Blitzer is a robot. Prove me wrong. And Gabbard also, similar, like the similar programming. It's insane. Very strange. <laughs> all right, all right, we gotta go. All right, bye-bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. No stay safe. Stay well. Thank you for the love, everybody. Thank you for the, the, the chats. Thank you for the likes, the subscribes. We've kept our numbers up pretty high the whole time. So uh, much love to everybody and stay safe. And we'll see you tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. Bye, friend. Bye.